Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode 26, part this of the Believe Knicks podcast. Uh, Matthew Miranda joined, as always, by Stacey Patton and joined once again by our special guest star. You can find his work at The Strickland, archival stuff at postingandtoasting.com, um, also potentially at a at a nice guitar shop near you, picking up a sweet-ass traveler's futuristic-looking bad boy. Men want him. Women want to be him. Welcome back to the show, Drew Steele. How are you? What's up? I've been on this Zencaster feed all night waiting for the second part. <laughs> just sitting here waiting, waiting just, to get back into Nick's talk. Just like our did list. you say men want, to, men, men want to be with him and women want to be him? Yeah. I, I, I did. I did. I, I mean, I didn't say, I technically said men want him. Listen, is, it don't ma- it doesn't matter to me. Let's go. Who who wants me? Let's <laughs> let's get Drew, it. <laughs> Drew is about enjoying life for the masses, and what they do with that is up to them. Um, it's up to you guys. So we talked last episode a bit about, um, actually more than a bit about Mitchell Robinson, stay or go. Uh, Want to get into a different Nick Big today, that being Julius Randle. A question that Schwinn raised on Twitter the other day: um, If you were to trade Julius Randle this off season. What kind of package would you be looking to get back in return? Drew, as the guest, you have first say. Um, I think you're pretty pro-trade Randall to begin with. Um, is that true? Yes, okay. I am trade Randall. It really, like, it kind of bothers. Like, it actually hurts for me to say that. Because, like, he really did have a first rough year in New York. And he really did respond like incredibly last season. And we're talking about like someone who just like grew and you're just like, he he's that guy. Cause he really was that guy last year. Mm-hmm. And he just, I don't know what happened, but it just all came cratering down and not even just like, Oh, he wasn't shooting well type bad. Like he hijacked the offense. He, he stopped playing defense. Like it was just a brutal season from him. And it's just, maybe he's, I don't know if he's like, set for new york like if that's like where he wants to be so i'm kind of ready to trade him you got to give obi a chance i think obi looked fantastic in his in his minutes that he got so you got to trade randall and the trade i think that makes will make everyone happy is you trade julius randall campbell walker narland's noel one of either fournier or burks and i think the salaries work to get russell westbrook some picks from the Lakers, and then you just cut or buy Westbrook and say, go live your life. Don't even bring him on the Knicks. I really did not think you were going to say Russell Westbrook there. That is, you mentioned that that name around these parts. That's going to get you some blowback, you know? And yeah, so the point is just basically, the Lakers... Listen, LeBron. If he doesn't, if the Lakers don't do anything, LeBron's going out sad. Like he went, out, he was pretty, he went out pretty sad this last year. It's going to be even more sad, and they have no options to make a team. Like they, they don't have a team. It's just him and Anthony Davis when healthy. They need guys who can just contribute and play some sort of basketball, and that's Julius Randle. Kemba Walker maybe can give you bench minutes. I don't even know because he is pretty washed. But Nerlens Noel when healthy, he is a viable backup center for some people. Burks and Fournier are definitely good. So it's like, and if Derek they Rose... They definitely need... want Fournier or Burks. I think those are the only appealing parts of the deal. Right, so it's Los like... Angeles right now. And if you need to add another salary, right, to get up to Westbrook, because he's at like an insane level, throw in Derek Rose too. And it's just like, you give Los Angeles some depth, and you're basically doing addition by subtraction for the Knicks, where you're getting off for Randall, you're opening up time for OB and some of the younger players, see what they actually got this year, you know, the following year. But you, but the whole point is you don't actually bring Westbrook in. Like, right. It's just like you buy him out or you cut him, but cut him without doing the, um, the stretch, like don't stretch him. (laughs) Right. You could just like cut him. So I think if you cut him and he's not picked up in a couple days, like the Knicks are on, you know, it counts against the Knicks salary and it's like, okay, fine. It's only for a year. So just have his salary, 
exist for the year and just let the and let the uh, the young guys play and then the cap space frees up and you can resign everyone like i think it's a win-win for everyone if the uh the lakers the knicks do that and then westbrook can go play for whoever just not new york what would you do if tom thibodeau coerced the knicks office the knicks front office into keeping russell westbrook and allowing him to play 40 minutes a game as a starting point guard um i would kidnap thibodeau and keep him in some sort of bunker to so you would not be in favor of that trade if if that was the condition if the condition was to play Westbrook, then absolutely not. <laughs> then don't do it. Like the whole, it's only predicated on the fact that Westbrook needs to be cut. So we're basically just dumping all the Knicks guys that we don't, the team doesn't really need. Take their 2027, you know, first round pick. If they have a couple seconds, throw it in too. Like get some sort of draft capital for these for these guys. LeBron has a bunch of vets he can play with, and then he can lose again next year. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, my one, I still don't think. I think when you talk about Derrick Rose, Evan Fournier, and Alec Burks, I think those are the guys the Knicks, the Lakers would want. Yes. I, oh, there's part of me that thinks Anthony Davis and Randall could actually fit together. And the majority of me thinks that with those two and LeBron and seeing how paint heavy that is, like LeBron can shoot and AD can shoot, and Randall can shoot a little bit. Mm hmm. It just feels like that's an unoptimal combination, but maybe they still have guys in the front office that like Randall from when he was there. Maybe. Um, I think it's, but I think like I have one of my best friends is a Lakers fan. He's been interested in Fournier for a while. Uh, I think Rose would obviously help them a lot. Um, mm -hmm. We've seen what he did for us. There's a trade around there, but I, I, if we're taking Westbrook back, I want a pick and THT uh, minimum. So. Fine, add Taylor Horton. <laughs> Horton Tucker. hears a who. Jonathan yeah, Taylor. fine, add him. I don't care. He sucks. Sure, throw him in. Like it. Like none of that bothers me. Like the whole point is to get off. Yeah. These uh these guys. Hard. Yeah. But um no I mean I I don't I a don't think we need to kind of I don't know that we need to get off like that. I think Burks and Burks and Randall still have like somewhat positive value Forney, i think is like he's he's worth what he's paid which is fine we, look i actually need... i really like fournier i would prefer not to trade him only yeah, me too. and it's just like i when is the last time the knicks have had an elite volume three-point shooter jr smith right i like, wouldn't even, maybe not elite but yeah like, right you know what i'm saying like it you're really like stretching it right because it's it was jr smith and then steve novak but he didn't shoot volume like Fournier over the past three years, last time I did like some like calculations, I think it's like on play by play stats, he ranks third in like high volume, like in terms of like three pointers made and efficiency. Like he's only behind like Steph Curry and I forget who the second person is. It could be like Joe Harris or someone like that. But he's third in terms of like volume, efficient three point scoring. Like he's an elite shooter. The Knicks don't like the Knicks haven't had that. And I would prefer to keep that, even though like Burks is the more complete player yeah and i mean burks's defense that depends on how much you think burks's defense adds how much his ability to play point guard he, he can he's i'm I, it's it's not his fault he was used in that role <laughs> primarily like he the fact that he can play point guard in a pinch is a good thing yes um i, I think they're both really good shooters um i will add i will add that in terms of attempts per 100 quentin grimes is nipping at fournier's heels yes he is uh, that's not to say that he is that level of shooter yet, but he certainly is profiling. Grimes is definitely putting up. He Grimes puts up the volume, which is really encouraging, and he is not afraid to shoot, yeah. which I which I really like about. Grimes. And his release obviously helps a lot. But um, but Matt, what do you think of the trade that uh that Drew suggested? I actually don't even know your thoughts on Russell Westbrook because that's he's a very polarizing player. So I'm keeping my mouth shut about Russell Westbrook. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Would you say Melo was was high efficiency, high volume as a three point shooter? I would say he was high volume, not necessarily high efficiency, because Fournier is like forty yeah. percent from three. Like Melo, I think was what like 36, 35? thirty six, thirty five. But he did more pull ups, I would imagine, right? Yeah, so like Melo was a fantastic shooter. I'm just saying, like Fournier yeah, 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 is yeah, yeah. just more efficient. I don't think he took as difficult a shots as Melo, right. but Melo wasn't as Melo surprisingly wasn't necessarily like the best spot up shooter for the Knicks for some reason. 
And then he wasn't that in he wasn't good. Where wasn't he good as a spot up shooter when he left the Knicks? Like there was a year where he wasn't <laughs> shooting well. It's just like it it, it was wild. But a weird yeah, Melo Mello, it would be it would be like Mello, J.R. Smith, and I think Fournier is a better shooter, three point shooter, I should say, than both of them. So there's a few what about teams Andrea that are... Yeah, primo pasta he wasn't bad <laughs> in the mid range. He could hit the mid range. That was it. Um, he could also hit the floor trying to dunk attempt on a. He did a lot of things that were not. Really good. Um, <laughs> he could make he could make Tyson Chandler want to cry after. And Clyde, Clyde upset and Clyde, yeah. Not easy. Oh God, yeah, that's one of the best Clyde calls. <laughs> what is he doing? What are you doing? <laughs> so let me. So as far as the Laker trade goes, I have a hard time thinking of a Laker trade that works because I want nothing to do with Westbrook. I hear the logic of what you're saying, and I recognize it. Like. There is something to be said for, like, if you're done with Randall, you know, you're not going to be picky. You're just, you're going to want to get him out. And there's not many, there's probably not many opportunities to get rid of him. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I hear the logic of it. I'm terrified that, like, they would make West, they would trade. And then, like, in the time that, you know, someone's running up to get the NBA to, like, rubber stamp it. Um, you know, quickly is involved in like a unicycle accident and he's going to be out for like six months. So Westbrook now like has, like, I don't want to me, Russell Westbrook is radioactive just as a fan, not yes. the logic of trying to build a contender just as like, do I want to watch my team play? I don't want to fucking watch that guy. So nope. if you take him away, I don't see the Lakers really working out well as a deal for Randall because they either have, Enormous pieces they're not going to move in LeBron and AD, and then like everybody else makes nothing, so they would have to like they would have to literally probably trade you like everybody who's not LeBron, AD, and Westbrook just maybe to get the salaries because Horton Tucker makes I think ten million, so you'd have to add like everyone else together and throw in a draft pick. It doesn't seem reasonable to me. The Lakers wouldn't do it, and if I'm the Knicks, I don't want nine pieces of nothing from the mm-hmm. Lakers. Like, I, I don't want that. There's a few trades. I want to see what you guys think. Um, okay. Where I can see, like, I'm not pretending I'm a capologist, but I just was trying to think of teams that at least narratively might have room for Randall. Um, so one, Charlotte, um, they fired their mm-hmm. today, uh, James Borrego, and they have lost in the nine ten game the last two years in a row. It's not a free agent destination. Um, so they have to try to get, you know, obviously an infusion of talent. Um, I was reading some of the, the Hornet articles today, and there's already anxiety about LaMelo Ball um, and actually the Lakers, like, making noise. Or, like, they're, they're already nervous about, can we keep this guy and we have to win? So I could see Charlotte being a team that might want to accelerate their, you know, their good years. They have two picks this year in the first round. They have 13 and they have 15. I'm fine as a Nick fan. I feel like if you're trading Randall, there's no pretense to like getting the best deal possible. If you're trading him before the extension has even begun, you're acknowledging to the world like we are desperate to move on for whatever reason, whether it's because we want to spotlight OB or we just have seen too many red flags. Whatever it is, if you're trading him, that's a clear admission that like all bets are off. And then to me, I'm happy getting like a starter and a first. So if Charlotte would give me 13 or 15 plus a starting caliber player. Um, Gordon Hayward? Maybe Hayward. Um, sure. You know, or, uh, you know, if they acquired Randall, maybe they wouldn't be so tied to PJ Washington. I don't know. But, like, would you be interested in Charlotte, a Charlotte mid, I guess in general, a mid first and a rotation player? and whatever salary you need to make it work for Randall. Is that enough to you, or do you feel like you need more? Perfect. Yeah? Stacey? Listen, I just, I just offered Randall for Russell Westbrook. <laughs> like, I am right. going to take almost anything in a deal. I just, I don't, I just don't see it with Randall here anymore. I just, unless he's going to bounce back again, right? <laughs> but like... Let me ask you really quick about that. There's a... You know, Alex Rodriguez infamously um, admitted to taking PEDs the first time as, I think, as a Ranger because he was he felt the pressure of living up to that contract. 
And then a few years later, he was a Yankee. Um, he was on an even bigger contract. He got mm-hmm. yeah. Julius Randle came to New York first year. He was on a new deal. It was more money than he had ever made before. He admitted it got in his head. It messed up his whole approach. Year two, he didn't have that pressure. Played much better. This year, a lot like year one, new deal, more money than he's ever made before. Didn't handle it well. Is it possible that like, like, th- do you think it is possible that Randall next year again can be like, all right, I have more of a sense, you know, now of what life is like, and and I and and, and he can return more. Like, do you think the pattern of year one and year two could repeat in year three and year four, or have you seen? so much more wrong in year three than year one. Because year one was like, Randall, please stop spinning into turnovers. And year three was like, Randall, like, what is this dark energy that, like, you are projecting everywhere? So I can see someone being like, I've seen enough. But I could also see someone being like, well, maybe we've seen this before. Do you think that's possible? Or is that like, come on, man? I wonder what Stacey has to say. Oh, um... It's. I mean, I've said this for a while. I actually don't hate Julius Randle the way a lot of Knicks fans do. Um, I, I, I think he really his faults come from being caring too much and being too passionate, more than you know maybe being disengaged exactly. Um, the result is obviously still pretty similar. But uh, I, if there was a way that we could make him part of the final solution, that's like my. I would love that. And with Tibbs too, right? Tibbs gave us last season too. Like I've been mm-hmm. highly critical um, of like the way he's done certain lineups. I've been extremely critical of his, you know, his minions on Twitter, but uh, I can't, I can't deny those things. Can Randall turn it around? It really comes down to this. What would Randall turning it around look like? I am wholly unconvinced that like even last year, the version of Julius Randall, that was the main hub. That was a solidly efficient player, mm-hmm. or middling efficiency, high usage, high assists, and still high turnovers. But like it was passable, it was manageable for a team bereft of talent. But is that the kind of offense? Like, is can you have a better than average offense with Julius Randle as your hub? I'm wholly unconvinced that's the case. Can you have a better than average offense with Julius Randle as a role man? Um, where you're utilizing his passing ability more in short roll. People say use him like Draymond Green. I'm hesitant to say that because Draymond Green processed the game extremely fast, historically good. I don't think Julius can do that, but I do think he can make good decisions in the short roll. I think it's the best person you could say the model after, where it's just like we all know he's never going to be Draymond, but like you kind of want him to function in a similar capacity and what he can give you that draymond even can't is he's probably still a better shooter than draymond he has like the spin move he can finish pretty well like the way that there's other guys who have fit this profile right bajelica sorry Mm -hmm. yelitsa wow i liked liked bajelica i was just gonna roll with it but then you corrected yourself (laughs) well because i don't know why that's it's always it's yelitsa but um it's guys in those mold right like bam to an extent earlier in his career was used that way I think he can be successful in that. The question is, how successful can Obi be in that? Because I think he's a really good profile for that too. Um, he is a faster decision maker than Randall. Mm-hmm. Um, he's more athletic, so he's actually at least probably as good as a, a finisher at the rim. His shooting came along. Um, I think he's a little bit more savvy and about how to when to slip screens and when to not and set real screens. Like Randall has the ability to be much better than Obi, but when you add the motor factor in, and when you add things like Obi's ability to pass and his ability to make his decisions, I'm not sure that Randall is so much of a better fit. So when we always we talk about Randall versus Obi, who's the better player? It's clearly Randall. But if you look at the things that Randall brings, mm-hmm. isolation offense, that's probably not something we want. Like if we keep Randall, we don't want that to be a big part of what he does. Not no. as big, certainly. On defense, Randall is more switchable than Obi, but we just don't see it enough. We don't see that effort, and we see all of the times when he's asked to be a help defender, and he doesn't. And Obi, for all his flaws on defense, is much better at help defense than Randall because he's longer and more athletic, so he can contest better at the rim, and he 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 doesn't take plays off. 
So, and then you add in the fact that Obi eventually will have to get paid, but for the next um, two years, he's not owed more than you know about four or five million dollars, and Randall's owed a lot more than that. That's what it comes down to me. Like, even if even if Randall had like we didn't have the you know purported attitude or effort issues, we didn't have like even if it was just that he didn't shoot well this year. But he tried hard. And like he had a two month stretch the way he played, I would have been fine rolling with him. But Toppin's emergence kind of plays into that for me too, because you see everything he can do. And it's like it's not just that it's not that Randall isn't better. It's the fact that if that optimal role for what we need from that position, or what we want either of them to play, is Randall palpably better than Obi right now. And over the next three years, will that even continue to be the case, even if you did think Randall was better? We didn't see it, but they should have done more Randall Obi. And that's where Tibbs, I think, really, really faltered, like really like faltered with it. And you could potentially say Randall too in terms of like leadership, because Mitch was not in shape earlier in the year. And neither Tibbs nor Randall were like, Hey, he's not in shape. Let me take the backup five minutes and play Obi. Like that was what Burks is for, Drew. Yeah, no, that's, what, that's what Burks is for. But, right, like, that wasn't... Like, Tibbs didn't consider that, and then Randall, as the leader, didn't even suggest that. So, to me, that's... To me, I I consider that a red flag. And I also want to also forget, like, even though the offensive numbers were great last year, Randall was amazing on defense last year. And he was the furthest thing from amazing this year, I, I would. I, amazing is a bit of a stretch. I I'm. Think, but... I don't think it's a bit of a stretch. You know what? I'm going to say it was probably the best defense I've seen in the past 25 years. From any Nick, you know, what? from any basketball player ever. <laughs> You're kidding, right? Yeah, no, I'm just trying to triple down as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, it's better. He's better. He was better than Draymond. He was better than a Hakeem. He was better than Duncan. Matumbo, Ron Artest. <laughs> All those guys. Um, no, he was he was an above average defender, and he was he was important last year. I like think he was, he... yeah, like he was really important because he can when like it's it's one of those expressions like when engaged, but like he's really good as a perimeter defender. I think he's a much better perimeter defender than yes, he is absolutely a uh, help he was defender. Best, the... He was our best option as Trey Young in the playoffs. Yes, like he is. Like he was really good on the perimeter. I think that's that's fair to say that he was just above average because Randall still wasn't that good, like on the block contesting shots sort of thing. But man, you you could switch the pick and roll with him every single time, and he will not get burned mm-hmm. on the perimeter. But he kept he didn't try this year, and that's the part that really bugged me was his shot wasn't falling. We knew the shot wasn't going to fall, but he couldn't have cared less on defense and he started jacking up more threes and hijack the offense. So it's just like, it's like everything you didn't want him to be like, Hey, I'm struggling. How can I get out of it? And he took every single wrong choice. I believe like he took every single wrong choice and then Tibbs didn't like help either with it. And it's just like those two together. Just like, I think they just really destroyed themselves. But like if Randall, if you said Randall came back, the Knicks are going to go, small with Randall and Obi. They run, they're going to switch pretty much everything because they're going to have, you could theoretically have like IQ, Cam Reddish, RJ Barrett, Obi Toppin, Julius Randall. Mm-hmm. You could pretty much, you could pretty much do a switch everything like the uh, the Celtics do. They, you won't have the same rim protection because Robert Williams could block the shot, but you, conceptually, you're doing a switch offense. Then you have now two bigs that can pass set screens like Randall can set a screen, but he doesn't anymore, right? Like, we know he has it in him. Like, he can set screens. He can't. Then you have all five guys can grab the ball, get out, and transition and run. So it's like there is something there conceptually. I just don't think it's going to happen. Like, there's like, there's like a, there's like a quote unquote, like seven seconds or less type framework with these Knicks if they decided to buy into like, everyone's like, we're running. Yeah. Be- because like Obi run, Obi's like probably the best fast break guy. Cause yeah, he just, his ability for ball. the timing Randall's a wrecking ball. Randall's again, when he's ball, tr- yeah. like, he's a wrecking ball. Child, so then you have all the positions can pass and shoot and do things. Like, I think there's a team there that would be really interesting. Tibbs didn't do it this past year, especially when every single opportunity was there for them to do it. 
but that's why I just like I'm just not gonna risk it going into next season like that. And I think it's just better to trade him. I do want to point out that it's it's not like you know for a franchise that's existed as long as the Knicks have, it's not like they have ever demonstrated a history of five players being able to run and pass and shoot together, actually having any success. So. You know, 1970 never happened. 1973 never happened. Um, I, I think what you're describing would be incredible to see and could be really effective in a really interesting way that puts more of your players <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> in a position to succeed than we saw a lot of last year. Like mm-hmm. I mentioned Burks before. If Burks was not put in a position to succeed, the problems Randall was having – I don't in general feel like the Knicks tried something radical to get him out of it. It was more like, and I always have an image of Tibbs in his house, just like flicking a light switch over and over and over. Um, So maybe, yeah, if they could get out and run. Speaking of getting out and running, Washington is a team that might feel like they need to make a win now move. They want to give Bradley Beal a reason to stay there. Um, Stacey, what would you think if Washington offered you um, a partially protected first next year, like top top 10 protected first and Denny Avdia? And for that, they'll take Julius Randle off here and, and whatever salary filler you need. Damn heartbeat. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, as long as the salary filler isn't long-term contracts, it's yeah. like Montrez Harrow. Um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I would do that in a heartbeat. I, I'm one. I'm still not down on Avdia. I think, I think he's not the upside of a guy like Cam Reddish. But um, I think I've said this a lot. The Knicks need these like six nine versatile wings. Denny's shooting hasn't been great, kind of in line with what we expected. But he's a pretty good finisher. He's good from two. He's a good connector player. They need people who can <clears throat> like pass and see things before they have yeah. Any more I I don't I don't think Washington would really want to do that. Um, but yeah, like I, I would do that in a heartbeat. I think they they're probably more interested in getting off Bertans than. I reason mostly only because Washington is one of the few franchises that fairly consistently does something that you're like, oh, okay, that's. So like another franchise, I don't know if I would even think that's possible, but I could see them somehow, because they have this weird romance with Beal, where like those two do not want to leave each other, and they just keep. Kind of mm-hmm. what's happen, even though it's not necessarily going anywhere. So, I don't know about this one. Drew, let me give you the fun one. So, maybe the okay. Dallas Mavericks decide this offseason that they need Luka to have a better second option. Oh, I was going to say that they're tired of Luka and he's a crybaby and he needs to come, you know, they need to send him to New York to toughen up or something we like that. We know that's true. Um, but I think we're all in agreement that Luka will come, like, a day or two after Zion is traded for us. So we're just going to hold on to that. <laughs> um, so let's say Dallas contacts the Knicks, and Dallas says, look, um, we got to get our boy Luca a better number two. Randall's a hometown kid. He loves Dallas. Um, goes to games. You know, he was at the game the other night. Um, mm-hmm. We will give you Dinwiddie and... No. Some future first. No. No. You're out on Dinwiddie? Out on Dinwiddie. Think- Why is that? Is this person Dinwiddie is a is a is a was it what are they called NFT crypto loser? No, I don't want those guys on the Knicks. You know what? If I I I won't have anything to do with Westbrook, Drew has every right to just write off Spencer. No, just no. Then I don't. I don't. I don't care if Dinwiddie was the second coming of Michael Jordan. No. Wow. Okay. I don't. I you know what? I hope I I never see him in New York ever again. I like this. Dream. I never saw him in New York for what it's worth, and I lived there good. For a few years. Good. Uh, All right. Let's, let's um, go ahead and say this. Can you say the trade again? The full trade. Yeah. So Dallas would give um, Dinwiddie uh, a future first, and again um, some filler, not a ton, because Dinwiddie makes I think about twenty million a year. Um, so they could throw in one other con. So an for Randall, was that for Randall? Yeah, uh, I, I would do it. I don't think they would. Um, I mean, I think Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie is nice because everyone, everyone is bringing their hands about playing IQ with Brunson, which I think is an overblown concern. 
um, especially Brunson's strength. Like they're both like IQ has the length to play up, and Brunson has the strength. But I digress. Um, I would like you can play Dinwiddie next to IQ, um, and so even if he doesn't start that way, like Tibbs will go to that lineup a lot. And as long as IQ continues to improve, like I have faith that they would play them together. And I think that's the big, and that's not even a huge, like if ultimately Brunson is the guy and IQ has to keep playing 20 minutes, sometimes that's just what you have to do. And Anthony Simons, who is killing it this year, he had to wait his turn too. So, um, you know, I'm not, I wish there's a certain way I'd like things to go, but I'm not going to be distraught completely if they do that. Um, But going back to Washington, there is another big contract the wizards have there is um two two years left at about 31 million dollars um he is a player knicks fans may be familiar with a little bit <laughs> um he has an interesting toe gif that's going around the strickland discord and the strickland slack um is yes. there something around randall for kate like first of all are you just like hell no that's just a bridge that's been burned i would never do that Is there a way where you would want to take KP back? And if so, is there something around Randall that you think would be worthwhile for both teams? I would definitely do it um, because I think, I mean, we were talking about Mo Bamba yesterday and Miles Turner. Like, I want a big man who can protect the rim and who can shoot threes. That's one of those guys who can do that. Um, I don't give it. I don't know if it's a function of like how much Nick drama you've been exposed to. The KP thing to me was always like more fun than it was serious or dramatic. Um, I'd have no problem with him coming back. He might have problems with it, but like I would have no problems with him. I don't think he would have problems coming back. I have a feeling he regrets. I think everyone's shit. I think he would like to come back and the garden would explode the first time he hits a basket. Like whenever his first game is. I I mean, part of me is like no, because like he's injury like <laughs> there's injury concerns. He's like you know there's like there's some issues with Apparently. it. It would be for him, but I also would think like in terms of like story, right? Like just like the story of it, and if just like the idea, I could see it. Right? It would be perfect for like you know basically the Daily News, New York Post, everything like that. Like the guy who wanted like burned his bridge mm-hmm. comes back. Because he realizes life wasn't greener on the other side, and he comes back and like, after finds got, after he got the money. Well, that even just like yeah, he got the money, but like he he kind of like lost all like like the respect, the fame, and all that. He got basically salary dumped into Washington, right? Like yeah. this was the this was the guy who was supposed to save the Knicks, and he got salary dumped. He's traded for a for... lesser Latvian. That's not easy, right? For like three or four years later, so it's like. He fell, and he fell hard. So I do think there would be a good redemption story in if Porzingis does come back and he kind of fits the role of, like, he's not a number one option. He's not a number two option. He's probably a number three or four option. So if he just embraced that, that's a good story. So it's interesting, but I would I would just like to see Washington finally do the team I've always wanted, which not always wanted, like, during the KP years was pairing him with Julius Randle because yeah. they fit really yeah. well together. So Washington would finally have that, but so would you rather have considering tradeability as, as a consideration two years of Porzingis on the books or four years of Randall on the books? I feel like you got to go with Porzingis because it's shorter. Cause it's shorter. And, and it kind of, ha- right. But with the end, like, Here's the, thing. the same length. If it was KP and Randall, both had three years left on a deal. And now I'm taking. I would take Randall because I know that he's more durable. And we actually is the thing. Like we actually saw Julius Randall be like a top ten player. We've never seen Porzingis like scratch that whatsoever for any sort of consistent time. So, but he does fit like that archetype of like a center. I feel like the Knicks need to consider long-term. So if you can get two years out of someone who is kind of like, will help on defense and just be a stretch five and be an offensive threat. I, I, I think it's an interesting way to help 
RJ along. I, I don't know if it would help, you know, quickly along because quickly we need to really develop that mid range game, but it would certainly help um, RJ and it would certainly help Obi. So it, it I, it's interesting to uh, to consider. It really is. If because you're right, uh, Matt, it was it was it was more dramatic than anything else. It was it was perfect like tabloid mm-hmm. fodder. And then you look back at the time and you're just like everyone made a big deal out of it. Like he was a very good prospect but he had issues and injury concerns. He blew his ACL and it's really tough for those big guys to come back from it. So the Knicks traded him and they moved on. Like it worked out. So it's interesting. It really is. And I think it's, it's yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like I I would be interested in seeing that. Stacy's like, please don't, don't bring back. (laughs) I, 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 um, I think we went through the whole arc. I think the what we got back for him, not Dennis Smith, but we turned that into salvageable pieces. Mm-hmm. Clearly, it didn't work out for him at Dallas. He didn't become the slam dunk pick, and now you know we're both at, um, you know we're both now both parties are at a different point. But I do think, in terms of the basketball fit, what this the Knicks team could really use, and what as much as KP has his flaws as a player at this point. He can hit open shots. He can mm-hmm. finish, and he can he can block shots. Yes, that's because this is what we were talking about yesterday, uh, Drew. Like mm-hmm. to find He's... that player, yeah, it's hard. It's and very hard. I'm not like I don't think he wants to play five. I don't know if you can play him at the five full time. Yeah, that would be it. Would be tough because you would you would really need like Obi to like. <laughs> bulk up a little more and take on that responsibility the post defense right you wouldn't want yes. kp to be the one guarding joel Embiid, but you also don't really want oh, Obi, so you have to figure that out i mean you don't want any i mean there's no one really to guard joel that's Embiid. a good point <laughs> yeah but like yeah, but drummond or valanchunas are the more you know yeah. realistic example. no yeah that makes sense like yeah because like that's when like valanchunas can really feast because it's just like oh kp with the higher center of gravity i'm just gonna body him and yeah. it's just like it's really tough I don't know. It's it's still. I think it's worth the gamble. I I think you're right. I think both teams kind of are in bad positions. I do think there is some sort of like, oh shit, like there could be something here, like you know, uh, energies and lines and whatever yeah, type I mean, of stuff for, are, for are crossing. The, the Washington of the cases. This is a guy that was all NBA last last year. Yes. Uh, if you have an elite, he hasn't gotten to play with an elite guard in a long time. Um, mm-hmm. You pair him with Beal, maybe he'll be willing to play that role, man, role. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe he'll, if his shots are assisted, you see his percentage back, bounce back up. Uh, you know, if he's not asked to do as much on offense, you get slightly more consistent effort somewhere between this year and last year. Um, and then maybe that unlocks things for Beal. Um, and you have your way to pair two stars together with probably still enough flexibility. Uh, and you move off KP, who probably, you know, KP might even be a better fit with Beal, but he's not healthy more than 50 games a year anyway, right? And mm-hmm. for the Knicks, I think that's less of an issue because they can play Cam at the four. They might draft a four. Um, you know, they can afford to take on KP, especially if they're rewarded with a pick or something. So, And I would think Washington, if because I think so much of what they do is driven by this, they want to get Beal ex- extended and secured. He's probably he's quite possibly going to be more drawn to four years in theory of Julius Randle than two years in theory of Kristaps Porzingis. Um, yeah, it's two years and maybe a hundred. Like yeah, I mean it could end up being <laughs> three. Um, yeah, let's say the Pelicans this all season see the light and realize that Zion to the Knicks is inevitable, so they have to make a trade, and they want to work out. Randall somehow coming back in a Zion deal. Ingram mostly played the three this year, so Randall, in a very different way, does some of the things that Zion does. He shoots threes not well. He scores inside. He can pass the ball. Um, do you think the Pelicans would consider that kind of a thing? Like, just in terms of your franchise ego, if if Zion feels to them like he's strong-arming his way out of town, is it practical to be like, all right, we'll take this slightly lesser version of what we're giving up, but at least we move on and blah, blah, blah. Or do you think that's like extra difficult to work out because he's clearly an inferior version? Like, it's not like you're trading your great young power forward for 
a two guard. Like you're trading your four for their four, and no one is as excited about the guy you're getting as the guy you're giving up. Do the Pelicans have too much of an ego to make this trade? I I don't think so. Um, no. They don't have as much of an ego as their bloggers who constantly whine about big market bias, quote unquote big market bias. But um, I think that no, David Griffin's a pragmatist. Um, not always right about it, but if he does it, it won't be because of ego. It'll if he plays hardball with Zion, it won't be because of ego. It'll be because he really thinks he has the leverage to make it work. And th- you've seen situations in the past where it has worked. Um, you know, kind of a, a star demands a trade. They work it out and, and everything ends up well. <clears throat> if he goes elsewhere, it'll just be because there's a better return from a big market. Uh, you know, someone like Miami who can put together a great deal. Like Zion, I think, would love to play for the Knicks. That doesn't mean he's only... That's the thing. The Knicks keep getting mentioned with all of these stars as a place they'd like to go. <clears throat> but they never actually go there. And I think part of it is that I think there's a lot of stars who would like to come here, but the Knicks, it's either a combination of the Knicks don't have the assets to make it worthwhile for them or for the other team. Because remember, the more the Knicks have to give up, the worse off, like the less that star coming moves the needle, right? And once mm-hmm. you don't have assets, you can't really go much farther than that. Um, but I mean, to answer your question, no, I don't think it'll be an ego thing. I think... Um, if it happens, it'll be a leverage thing. It'll say, well, look, Zion, you don't have much time. And, if, and then if they feel like Zion can just play this whole thing out and force them to trade him, then they'll trade him. But, yeah. They probably should trade him at this point. They should. But, right? Like, I I don't want to minimize it because, like, his 82 games that he did play were amazing. But he also only played 82 games three years. He's clearly has not cared about like the shape he's in even these past like couple years too. It's kind of weird to say, but like, do you really want to take a risk on Zion? I mean, like, yes, because I think yes. he's doing. This is all now speculation, but like, if you consider like in the NBA in particular, other than very rare cases like maybe Steve Francis, I can't think of one since then, like top top prospects in the NBA generally go where they're taken. They don't have any sometimes in the NFL mm-hmm. like the quarterback will work something out, but not in the NBA. So if you imagine like at some point there's going to be a player taking number one overall who doesn't want to go to that place, how would you get out of that if you're the player? Like you would do some of what you've seen Zion doing. He's not doing anything flagrantly wrong. He hasn't made like a public declaration. You No, there's not nothing yeah you're asked to get back into shape you would be extremely cautious in your rehab. And if you felt any remote twinge, like you're not going to put everyone who's worked for a job that you don't want, like knows like you're not going to kill yourself for that job. And he mm-hmm. doesn't want the job that he has. He's in a fucked up system where like these, these particular young humans for some reason have almost no say over where they go. And like every other industry that has talented young people, so how would he get out of it? I think what he's doing is how, how he would get out of it. And at some point, like if this season, as the Pelicans were on this great late surge and this exciting playing experience, and now they're you know doing a great job after two games with Phoenix, if that doesn't move the needle for him, like what they got, they got McCollum, it doesn't seem to me like that is what it's about, you know? But then if those are the reasons why he wants to leave, that worries me too. Like it mm-hmm. would feel a lot better to me if I was if he was like I want to win, and yeah, they made a couple of nice moves, but David Griffin is unserious, or this is a shitty organization, or something along those lines. But if he's just like, well, New Orleans is too small a market for me. Um, like if, if that's not, his reasoning, mar- that is worrisome to me. What right? if it's not a because market size of- thing? But what if it's like I don't like living here. Like I don't I don't want to live. I don't I don't want to live here. And I know in my business mm-hmm. that there's 10 other cities I would rather live in and they would all take me if they could. And I can't make it happen because I was drafted by like, what if he just does not like the city? Could that be enough to me? Like, would you accept like, what if he's like, I... team aside? Like mm-hmm. what I'm trying to do is like, make, make it as clear as I can, as politely as I can 
that whatever you have going on, I'm not trying to blow up the whole le- the whole league here, but I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be here. I truly do sympathize, like with that, and it's something I usually like. I'll say too, and I completely agree with. There definitely is like this human aspect that we don't, as like fans and everything, don't always apply to players, even though they are human. As much as I agree with that sentiment, I think there's something, but we're, I think for all of us who agree with it and practice this and encourage everyone else to practice this as well, I don't think we're necessarily talking about like the elite of elite people. So I think if you're asking someone to like be the franchise player or be this, I don't think I would want them to have my mindset, if that makes any sort of sense. I kind of would prefer to have like the MJ type mindset where it's, he probably would have been a serial killer if he wasn't obsessed with basketball or something along those lines. But like, I don't, but like, they also also be a serial killer. (laughs) He also may be a serial killer. Like I don't know. If you want to boost your stock, by the way, make a show about Michael Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Moonlighting as a serial killer. Yeah, while while in the '90s in Chicago, yeah, you heard but about like, winning time, but have you heard about killing time? Killing time, exactly. <laughs> like that's what I think. I think is the one concern. But like, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too hard. Maybe that's that's a larger society that, like, our basically like our capitalist society is basically ingrained in us unconsciously. Like, I don't know, but I, and I don't know if that's right because there's some like something. I do feel like something's off there when I say that, but. That's the one part where I just kind of concerned me because, like, I would want Zion, if he's the franchise guy, to be like, I want to win. Like, I want to do all this sort of stuff. I don't want, like, yeah, man, like, you may suck. <laughs> it may suck living in New Orleans or whatever it may be, right? Like, I sympathize with that. I've lived in shitty, you know, lived in shitty apartments, shitty neighborhoods, shitty cities, anything like that. But you gotta, you gotta get through for like the end goal, right? Like, if the goal's winning, like, you gotta do certain things. You gotta overcome. And you gotta like, you gotta push through it. As tough and annoying and as terrible it is, sometimes you just gotta push through it. And he's not pushing through it, and that that does concern me. But this could, but that's outside looking in. He could be something completely different behind the scenes. Like he really is dedicated on winning. He's just like, now this organization's trash. I need to get out of here. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's... I mean, I think that that's in. So one, there's a few things I would say. One. Um, New Orleans is actually a pretty cool place to live. Uh, it probably is. Like I said, I don't know. I've never been there, but like, it's probably good. It's so, probably a sweet place so to live. So you should change that just on a complete side note. Um, <laughs> especially if you're a music fan. Uh, I'm not even a huge jazz fan, but Jazz Fest is a lot of fun there. I digress. Uh, New Orleans is not one of those cities that I would expect that. Especially, and he is from the, like, the culture also, like, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pretend to assume that all Southern culture is similar. But he grew up in South Carolina, and um, Louisiana is a pretty unique culture. But it shouldn't be too much of a difference there, and the weather shouldn't be different. He's not in Detroit, freezing his ass off. And as someone who spent four years in that area, I can tell you that um, sunshine is nice. Um, but I'll, I'll, what I'll say is this: when I was 22, or when, when I my first job out of college, I hated my job. Uh, and I was treated like shit. And I realized later on that like, as much as my job sucked, and they were evil people and everything you hate about capitalism and managers, they exemplified that. Um, you know, some of it was that like, as soon as I wanted to switch, I felt bored again, right? So it can be a recurring thing, you end up in a bad situation. And then that makes you more willing to quit later on. I don't know what the, you know, what the equations are with that. But like, especially with younger people, you can be hesitant because you wonder, is it really something where they just don't feel the fit? Or is it a thing where this is just someone who's fickle? And um, for me, it was both. And like, the other example I bring up is like, kind of what I said before, I've lived in the Northeast, and I went to school in Michigan for four years. So I've always lived in pretty cold places during the winter and I'm tired of it for, to be frank. And I've always felt happier during the sunshine. And, you know, I had a friend who moved to Santa Monica during the pandemic. He grew up in the same area I did. He moved to LA 
And I thought they would love it because to me, that's always felt like paradise, right? That area, like not LA itself, but especially Santa Monica to Venice Beach, that whole area. And he didn't like it and he was moving back. And so I think especially for younger people, like we can wonder, like if you are a fickle person, like how do we know that Zion won't come here in a year? Like that's what worries me is he comes here in a year or two. We don't win immediately. He takes plays off on defense. And by the way, he does that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, and then in a year or two, we're seeing the same spot, and his value is deteriorating because it's this is the second place, and like there's been a few stars where they demanded a trade, and then a couple years later, it doesn't work out, right? Like, um, we saw with Kawhi, he, you know, he did, he was not on the same page as the medical trainer for San Antonio. He left, left Toronto, and now in the in LA, it's ha- the same thing is happening, right? Um, you've seen that with other players who've demanded trades too. Jimmy Butler wanted out of Chicago. He left, didn't work out in Minnesota. Now it's not working out in Miami. Um, Harden has been a serial mover, right? So mm-hmm. it's like that can, like you, you trade for, you trade for someone and what, what their last team will tell you is like, it won't be too long before you're the team trying to keep him on. Right. So. I'm going to ask you one more trade, um, possible Randall trade. But before that, paying down credit card debt or any debt can be stressful, especially when you need to keep track of multiple monthly payment dates. If you're tired of juggling due dates, consolidating with a personal loan could be your answer. That way you'll have just one due date a month, and Credit Karma can help you find the best option for you. Credit Karma uses your credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you, so you can have a better idea of what loan amount you can get approved for. Credit Karma will even show you your chances of approval, so you can choose between loan offers that you're more likely to get approved for and apply with more confidence. Comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is 100% free, won't affect your credit scores, and could save you money. Ready to apply? Head to creditkarma.com slash loanoffers to see personalized offers. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loanoffers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loan offers. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. Drew Steele, one last possible wacky proposal. Um, some of those Hellcats in Portland decide that they're going to keep trying to, like, kind of make Dame happy while they also develop, you know, Anthony Simons and some of the young pieces. Um, Portland is slated right now to pick sixth in the draft. Obviously, the lottery can work out different ways. But let's say Portland holds at six and the Knicks hold at 11. And Portland offered you um, a sign-in trade with Nurkic and a pick swap in the first round. So you get Nurkic and six. They get Randall and 11. You doing that deal? I feel like it's a pretty good deal. Yeah. I will point I out so. to you that Yusuf Nurkic, um, the last three seasons has missed. It's like thirty-five, thirty-six, and seventy-four. Oh yeah, no, he's not. He's not durable. Like that's yeah. That's the that's the one thing that uh, Stacy should have brought up in the last one. Like Nurkic isn't durable. That's a really good counter when I'm like I'd prefer Nurkic. Well, it's like well Nurkic doesn't play that much. Yeah. So like that's an option. So you went I from would... criticizing Mitch, criticizing me. Come on now. <laughs> that's... <laughs> That's what I do. Um, like Nurkic, I would like to see the young Knicks play with, you know, someone like Nurkic. I think it would be really interesting. Cause I think yeah. that would help them in terms of just like, you know, like playoff basketball later down the road. Yeah. And then you get the six pick, you move up. The Knicks never move up. So that's awesome that they moved up right. and they can get um, my favorite player in the draft, Kofi Cockburn. <laughs> I have to say it. It's not pronounced that way, even though that's how it's spelled. It's Kofi. It is Coburn. spelled. It is spelled <laughs> Cockburn, and therefore, I am pronouncing it Cockburn. So Kofi so. Coburn's parents should be very happy that Drew was not in the same third grade class as their son. Oh no! Oh no! Although, uh, if, if Kofi Coburn was always seven feet tall or really tall for his age, maybe Drew should be happy he wasn't in the same. <laughs> That's also well. true. That's very true too. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, um, but um, yeah, with that Portland trade, I think Portland makes sense as a trade. Like, I really would like to see Damon Randall, especially if they had a third guy. 
And hey, that'd be on the other hand, that'd be good. They do have a third guy, a potential third guy, and I would want him back in that trade. Simons, Uh, and that's Anthony Simons. Yeah, Yeah. Um, Yeah. who man, like like everyone is talking about Jordan Poole, and uh, you know even guys like Bones, and quickly, obviously, Anthony Simons is really like I would. I I think I would still take him over Poole. Like, I, I I'm at that level right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't see Portland. I mean, I can't see them giving up on him. Unless you throw in like quickly. Yeah. Right. You're throwing in like right. quickly and Grimes or something like that. Would you trade and Randall and quickly and swap picks for Nurkic, Simons, and number six, and they get Randall quickly in eleven? I would do that, but there's no way that Portland does. Yeah, that. I don't. Yeah, I don't see. Yeah, yeah, Portland's not because yeah, like Portland Simon's for quickly, and like I love quickly, and I think yeah, they yeah, probably yeah. would be high on him too. But like you would do that, you'd be like, all right, we're gonna take the lesser young guy if we get the an old guy that's a star. If it was for Anthony Davis and quickly, they do that. If it was for yeah, I would Bam agree and, or maybe Bam is not an example, but like Rudy even maybe right. If it was for Rudy Gobert and then you change quickly for Simon's, I could see them doing that. I. Like, Randall had one good year, and he's had everything else has been pro- even this year was productive. Like yeah. he's a plus player, um, but he's he is not a he is a sub. He's definitely sub elite, and he's probably a little bit. He's like a top forty player. That's what I think he is ultimately, which is good. Yeah. But that's mm-hmm. like that's like the like he's not nothing like Lonzo Ball as a player, but he's in that realm of an impact player, right? Yeah. Um, which is someone that you'd love to acquire, or like the Aaron Gordon? Like, is he that much better than Aaron Gordon? Julius Randle? Yeah. I mean, Aaron Gordon gets to play with Jokic, so even in Orlando, even Orlando, Aaron Gordon. Like, yeah, Julius. Oh, Randle, I mean, it, okay, game. all right. Well, uh, Orlando, Aaron Gordon sucked. So, I okay. So if you think he sucked. <laughs> fine but it's kind of the same mold right like a four who like in theory is a very good defender but he didn't get consistent at that until he was in denver i actually do think he's been a solid defender for them this year yeah um a guy who can shoot quote unquote but not a great shooter um and like i like i don't think julius randall's on the level of a guy like jeremy grant anymore Um, okay jeremy do you i don't i don't care enough for these rankings to discuss who's better Jeremy it's Grant not about Julius Randle the point I think the larger point is what we agree on is like I think that that's if they're moving Simons they want a top 10 player that's you know it has, yeah, it, it has to be more than Randall I would agree with that um, so yeah like this Randall's this is like Randall's these rankings <laughs> are uh, ultimately not particularly useful I agree with you on that but um and it's not to denigrate Randall or anything. And I, I mean, if they bring him back, I'd love to see what he can do. Um, I think that he can be effective in an up-tempo offense. And I, I will say this. He had, a, he had like six weeks where he played really hard mm-hmm. pushing mm-hmm. the ball, at least on offense. The mm-hmm. defensive lapses still came and went. Like, what are you going to do? But when he gets into motion, he was looking. He still is a little bit like locked onto his first read. He's like a... He's like a quarterback who's like great at finding his first read, and because he's so gifted, like that read is usually there because the defense is so compromised. So mm-hmm. he's great at finding forty-eight transition. He's great when he kind of predetermines what he wants to do, and that I'm not knocking that, and I'm not that's not a backhanded compliment. Like a lot of guys cannot predetermine because they're not enough for the for the defense to respect what they do enough to open up that predetermined read. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a plus. Um, and he can be good if he plays with pace. And I do think that that could have lasted longer if he wasn't playing 40 minutes a game. Um, and like, it's 36 on the year, but there were games he got hurt. There were games he left. Mm-hmm. Um, like a real rotation where he got 30 minutes. Obi got 18 at the four as his backup, but then we got another five or six next to Randall, as you were talking about. Uh, and Obi's averaging some like 24 minutes next year. I could live with that. Uh, especially if those 30 minutes from Randall did feature mostly a lot of pace. Mm-hmm. It's just tough to see that. Like like you said, it's it's really, it's not just Tibbs, it's not just Randall, but they seem to bring out the worst in each other a lot of the time, or they did last year, or this year. Mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, they, they just bring out the worst in each other. So it's, it's hard to like speculate. Like we all see the vision, right? Like it is a possibility. Like you could, 
you could you could do that in 2K right now and it'll be very successful with the Knicks. But like I will it actually happen? I you I think you would need to get rid of Tibbs and then you need to find someone who is like no, we're doing this no matter what and then rise really, into that. And here's another theory I have. So and like my final thoughts on the Portland trade are that like I don't think Nurkic is worth it at that point. Um but um unless we just get this their pick outright which I don't think that's what you were saying, right? It would be more of a trade-up. It'd be a pick swap. Yeah. A pick swap with Randall and Nurkic. A pick swap, and then you they give us Nurkic, we give them Randall. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably do that, actually. Um, I think that means Mish is gone, which I do view as yeah. a negative, but that's fine. Um, I think Taj, the combination of Taj and Jericho is reliable enough to make me feel better about Nurkic's um, availability. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, and I think the difference in eleven and six in this draft is that big to me. Yeah. Um, but here's another follow-up question. I get the feeling that this is my theory, and it could be wrong, and I could get killed for this. Um, I think that Tibbs actually is kind of—I don't want to say intimidated by vets, but he's reticent to cause problems with vets. Maybe it's because of what happened in Minnesota. Um, but he—I think he wants to leave his vets alone. Um, and he wants to go hard on the young guys. And that's why the young guys have improved. Like, I think Johnny Bryant sh- is getting shortchanged on a lot of the credit for the Knicks' development. But mm-hmm. uh, you, they did have that piece by Fred Katz, which isn't, you know, that's not just some Mark Berman fl- uh, fl- uh, fluff piece. Um, you know, he talked a lot about how it was a really good article. I recommend everyone read it about how, how specifically Tibbs has been able to encourage the young guys. And the young guys buy in. If quickly and OB have money on the line and they're still getting 15, 20 minutes a game, maybe that'll change. But they also don't seem to be built that way. Like all of the young guys seem to be very like extremely hard workers. So he can they respond to him. Whereas for whatever reason, I don't think Randall either Randall didn't respond to him or he didn't hold him accountable enough. Um, but it, it goes for all the vets. Like I think the whole the way he handled the Kemba thing seemed like he waited too long to bench him. Then he benched him and it didn't turn out well. And he wasn't able to bring the locker room on board with him. Mm-hmm. Maybe he struggles, right, with with those kind of guys because of his style. And that's not the worst thing in the world. But you know, it might be worth acknowledging that as much as he might want a team of vets, he's actually better with a team of young guys because those are the guys who really buy into what he's doing. And there's a lot of value in what he wants them to buy into. So, I um, I did something I normally don't do, and I actually listened to a I listened to like a, bas- a basketball podcast. And it was the J.J. Reddick podcast, and R.J. Barrett was on it today. Mm-hmm. R.J. kind of was saying what you were saying, Stacey, more or less, about like why he loves Tibbs, is that he lets his players, like his players who he thinks, you know, like both of them, like, allow to do what they want, right? Like, he's, he's putting belief in them to, like, hey, empower them and do these sort of things and that's why rj loved it because he said it reminded him of coach k or whatever it is and apparently tibbs and coach k are good friends or something like that so there was a relationship there but like that's why rj and like he said like like rj and some of the guys like really like you know buy into tibbs so there could be something with that where tibbs's strategy with randall of like no randall you got this and encouraging randall and then randall's like no i'm gonna iso more and Tibbs is like, okay, I have faith in you. It, it, it's it's a similar vein to what you're uh, you're speculating, right? That's just based off RJ. RJ, again, it's a podcast. RJ's not going to be like Tibbs is a piece of shit. Like they're both still under contract, but I I don't necessarily see any reason to lie about something like that either. So take that for a grain of you know for what it's worth. Yeah, I mean, I think that he. He, if he was really disappointed, he might have just kind of left Tibbs out of it. But he, I think he went over and beyond to praise him. And he's not the only player. Uh, quickly has. Mm-hmm. Obi has said good things about Tibbs, even though I think you can tell he's a little bit frustrated with the minutes he does he gets or doesn't get, I guess. Uh, I'm just talking about if you look at the way that Tibbs reacts, and maybe this is just camera angles and all of that. If Obi or IQ makes a mistake, they're out. You know, IQ has gotten mm-hmm. more leeway his second year. Obi had very little little leash until Randall was hurt. Um, and I just don't see the same thing with the Vets, really. Yeah, it, it didn't really exist last year. Like, Fournier would make 
a number of like defensive rotation misses, sometimes not even knowing he had to do stuff. He he wasn't getting pulled. Um <laughs> Kemba was a disaster on defense. He got benched, but like he was still getting minutes. Like there was there were some bad things that like he he didn't do with And the, I think uh, and I think that he wanted I, my guess is that he wanted to bench Kemba earlier. Maybe it was pressure from the front office, but maybe it was also like we did hear that after he benched him, Fournier in particular felt like there was uneven standards being applied, right? Mm-hmm. And Kemba, like everyone likes Kemba, so I don't think that went over well. And I think Tibbs is hesitant with those things. Um, and that's not the worst quality for a coach to have. But, um, but you know, that might just be an observation that's worth thinking about, right? Because he's willing to really go hard on the, he coaches the young guys hard and it's benefited them. You know, we can argue about the minutes and I, I think that he should have played them more minutes, <coughs> but they have, but they all well. clearly got better like year over year over year. There's been clear improvement between and the, the OB and IQ. Of, and with that freedom that you're talking about, <coughs> maybe with guys who are still figuring out their game, it has more benefits than guys like, um, you know, Randall or Fournier or Kemba, who are kind of cooked concrete, cooked eggs, or I guess I don't know what the word for a set concrete is, but I think hopefully you get the analogy. So. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, I didn't get it. Sorry, Stacey. Everybody ponder the metaphor while we say goodbye. Um, that's <laughs> the end of this episode. The Believe Nick Show is presented by Bet Online, it's also presented by your hosts, Matthew Miranda and Stacey Patton. And it's presented by special guests like Drew Steele. So, Drew, thank you for being on with us. Good luck with a good time. Thank you. Um, thank you very much for having me. This was I, – I love talking to you guys, man. It's great. We'll absolutely have you on again this offseason. Um, everybody take care, and we will see you again soon. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.